Meditation is the most secret, most sacred door through which we pass into the presence of the Lord. Not only does meditation have a spiritual implication and helps us connect more with the Lord, but for every spiritual law that was made, there is a temporal law. And it's often discussed in the scriptures, be still and know that I am God. And then also Christ, when leaving his disciples, would say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And Christ often left his disciples with peace because stillness and peace are some of the highest frequencies that we can resonate with God. And it's actually on a physical level where your body repairs the most hormonally is when you're in a state of, when you're in a state of homeostasis, which I refer to as peace or stillness. Um, anytime you're in a state of stillness, you can connect more with God. And our whole test of life is to take the chaos that we're in and to learn to find calm in a storm. So what is meditation? It's not just deleting thoughts out of your mind because our mind has a lot of functions and a lot of processes it has to complete, but it is a management of those thoughts. And something else that is unique is meditation is just directing your thoughts for good. And in the scriptures we learn that by the power of God's word, the earth was created. And by the power of his earth, the uh, and by the power of God's word, God divided light from darkness and created male and female after his image and his likeness. And again, for any law that was made spiritually, it was also created physically. So words actually have power behind them. And, and there's actually studies on the power of words. And something that's kind of interesting, you see a lot of self-help stuff out there, which is important to our progression is to develop into a better self because anything that's good is from God. But many people just deny the power thereof. So it's really only through Christ, the Savior, and being baptized, where you receive his actual power in your body, that we cannot deny the power of. We accept the power thereof that can transform us into our current state, our natural state, into a more heavenly state. And even, um, you know, it's interesting. I was was talking to, I've been to a lot of different churches and the reason it's so important to get baptized by one who holds authority is it's significant because there can't be a transfer of power simply by reading a book and and the only way I know how to really illustrate this is to um, talk about say you were to buy a really incredible vacuum and you wanted to vacuum your entire house but you needed it to be plugged in in order to do that Um, but you didn't know this at the time and so as you're going about your day so I want you to consider this thought that in order for the vacuum to work um, you can read about the instructions because it often comes with an instruction manual that will tell you how all the little gadgets and gasmos on it work all the adjustments all the Uh, different ways that you can use the vacuum. Uh, You can read the instruction manual all that you want 
and you can even roll it around your house as though you're vacuuming but if it's not plugged into the power source and turned on it's not going to have the power to suck up the dirt from the ground or the grime from the ground and have that brush um, roll because there's no source of power and it's the same with baptism no matter how much schooling one gets and learns about Jesus Christ and about his ways unless there's an actual transfer of power you don't have authority to baptize and that's why it's so significant the, um, that the that Jesus Christ appeared to Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ in when he walked the earth he transferred his power to his 12 disciples to the 12 apostles and they are resurrected beings and they appeared to the prophet Joseph Smith and restored that power to the earth. So the power was given from Jesus Christ to Peter, James, and John and the other apostles. And then they appeared to Joseph Smith and brought that power back down to the earth. So that's what I mean by plugging into the source. That transfer of power was given back to man through something they called the laying on of hands that, pa- that power is transferred through. So unless someone has had their hands laid on by someone who has that power or baptized by someone who has that power, even though it's a righteous act and God acknowledges anything that is good, the actual power to have transferred into your body isn't there. Just like the vacuum won't work unless it's plugged into the wall. So that's what I mean. As positive as we can become and as much as we can develop, it's really important to receive that gift of baptism so that you can have the power thereof. There's no way to get from this life into exalted life without that power. So with that, it's still our duty and our privilege and our honor to become more like God. And it says again that we were made after his likeness and his image. And he said that there was power in his words. Therefore, there is power assigned to words. And whatever we repeatedly think about in our minds is really what we become, whether that's good or bad. And so if you think of some of the message that you're telling yourself right now about yourself, when you say the phrase, I am, your brain thinks it's your actual identity and you have neural paths that connect and disconnect in your brain according to what you're thinking, there's words that can bring chaos to your mind and leave you with low energy and feeling dark. And there's words that bring you light. And these are all studied. This is taken from the book, uh, Power Versus Force. And they studied the energy emitted off of your body according to what words you were thinking. And it's really incredible to see. So this is also in the scriptures. So often it talks about having courage in the scriptures and then to be willing. And that if you're willing and if you have a desire, then you can um, then step into states of love, joy, and peace. But it takes a change of heart. So there's a group of people that were living a prideful way and they were living life in their own way and this is an Alma and the Lord comes to them and he softens their hearts and it says behold he changed their hearts yea he awakened them from a deep sleep and they awoke unto God so when you're walking in a state of pride or in a state of fear all those things are um, against the nature of God but it's the bodies that we're born into it's the way that we're programmed in the earth um is to live in this natural state, but our duty is to wake up to the things of God and change ourselves from our fallen state, the way we naturally are, 
and surrendering how we naturally are to transform into beacons of God's love and of his light and being willing to accept um, his power and his force in our life so that we can become more like him. So, but again, with every spiritual law, there is a physical law. So if you think about um, the physical law of this, first I'm going to read a little verse to you. So here it is while this is recording. Um, so in the scriptures in Jacob chapter four, and I'm just flipping over to that as I talk to you in Jacob chapter four, there is a verse that signalizes the power of the word. And there's a group of people that are talking in here and it says they believed in Christ and worshiped the father in his name. So belief is something that's really important. You have to make a choice to believe. So everything that we do in this life is based off a choice everything you you can choose to believe and then the evidence follows and that's what faith is and we're meant to walk by faith and not by sight and we'll explain a little bit more about why so behold they believed in christ and worshiped the father in his name and we also worship the father in his name and they kept the law of moses so in old testament times there were certain laws and these are laws of obedience god wanted to train his children to be obedient and to learn how to sacrifice And that prepares you for higher levels of thinking and being. It teaches you how to honor God. And then you can step into his law of love and the law of consecration where everything that you have, you know, is God's. And so you use every skill and gift you've been given to build up his kingdom. And that's what the law of consecration really is meant for. So um, they searched the prophets and they studied the word of God because there is power in the word of God. And the only way to really transform our minds and ourselves, this is be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way to renew our mind is to study truth and our bodies and spirits align more powerfully when we reside in truth. If you think about it, your spirit is perfect because it came from heaven and you lived and walked and talked with the Lord. And I believe that we looked down on this life and that we knew what we would face and what we would endure and that we had an agreement with him that we would go in our bodies and that we would develop and that we would seek after truth. And if you have a body, it means that you did choose Jesus Christ at one time or else you wouldn't have a body. We know that a third of the hosts of heaven followed Lucifer, who Lucifer had a different plan. He wanted to force all of us to return home to live with God. And the reason this is so significant and the reason why Latter-day Saints, especially the Church of Jesus Christ, people who are Christian obviously get attacked because anyone who believes in Christ will get attacked from an evil force. But um, especially members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's because Lucifer was trying to actually dethrone Heavenly Father and he would force all of us to come back home and to follow these certain laws and plans But there would be no choice and there would be no growth. And he wanted to take everything that God was. Well, there's another plan presented by Jesus Christ where he said that he would not force. He would take on our sins. He would suffer and die for us so that we could return home. That was his sacrifice that he offered. And he promised that he would do this and take on all our stuff so that we could remain clean as we repented of our sins. And his was a, a... a plan of agency and a plan of choice so that we can choose to partake of that or we choose not to. And it's through baptism that we accept that gift that he could make us clean and exalt us from where we are naturally into um, children of Christ. We have to be born again. 
So we're born through our parents and given our spirit. But to become a child of Christ, you have to be born again, which requires baptism by immersion by one who has authority. So once you can understand that, it talks then about um, having weakness in our natural man in us. It says, nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness that we may know that it is by his grace. So grace is also interchangeable with strength. So by the strength of God or by the grace of God, we are saved, that, fr- that saying. Again, it says, nevertheless, the Lord God shows us our weakness that we may know that it is by his grace and his great condensations unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So by the grace of God or by the strength of God, he gives us power. The power is through baptism. Um, and it says, great and marvelous are the works of the Lord and how searchable are the depths of the mysteries of him. And it is possible, impossible that man should find out all his ways. And no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. Wherefore, brethren, despise not the revelations of God. And then this is the part. For behold, it is by the power of his word. Remember, we're made after his likeness and image. And he says that there's power in his word. So there's power in our words as well. For behold, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth, which earth was created by the power of his word. Wherefore, if God being able to speak, and the world was, and to speak, and man was created, oh, then why not be able to command the earth or the workmanship of his hands upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure? Pleasure. And so if the, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth and he spoke and the world was, there's more power behind our words and how our lives are turning out than what we really realize. What we believe and repeat over and over and again in your mind, again, that's a spiritual law. He said there's power in your words and that certain words bring light or darkness. He divided light from darkness. And because there's an equal and opposite force, right? Anything that God does, Satan tries to mimic. So for anything good, there is something bad. And you have to start to recognize that and start dividing the light from darkness in your own life, just like God did. Um, For any spiritual experience that you have, um, there's going to be something that's going to try to pull you away from that and to make you think it didn't happen. It's just the law of opposition. And it is the law of God. In order to become like God, we have to overcome that opposition. And so it's an honor to be tempted. Um, it's also our honor and our privilege to learn how to walk, honor and privilege to learn how to walk in the light. So if that's true, then there's power in our words. And the physical law of that is that we have neuro thinking patterns in our brain. So everything, even science is from God. So there's neuro paths that you form. There's certain laws that are just true. And there's other ones that we have agency to develop. So one law um, is gravity. If you jump up, you're going to come down. And there's spiritual experiences that are just true because we are spirits. Um, We just have a body, a temporary body that we're striving to become like God. So you have neuro thinking patterns in your brain. And you have whatever you repeat in your mind over and over again you really do start to become. So if you were to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm so ugly, I'm so fat, and you keep saying that over and over again, then no matter how lean you become, because that's your programming, you're always going to look at yourself and look for reasons that you're ugly and that you're fat versus someone who's like, I am so healthy and fit and I love myself. They're always going to look for reasons to love themselves and it's actually going to change the way they think, the way they eat, the things they do because they're going to do things to honor their body because they love themselves so whatever you repeat in your mind over and over again you start to become 
And you learn that when people have been through traumatic experiences, that they actually will start to... There, because trauma and dark thoughts or dark experiences can elicit this stress response in the body, and that can program your brain to start working from the amygdala. And the amygdala is where you um, process trauma. It always overrides your logic. So no matter how logical of a person you are, when you've been through a traumatic experience, your emotions always override your logic. And so the trick is, is to learn how to be still, to get out of that fight or flight response that takes you into that amygdala part of your brain. So that leads us back to the command that God gives us to be still and know that he is God. And to be still and know that he is God is to know that God is love. So once you can get yourself to a state of stillness, you can better know God. And that's why meditation is so powerful. Um, Not only is there power in words, but there's power in stillness. So in order to have communion or connection with God, you've got to learn how to be still. And there is a pattern to that. So what you repeatedly think about, you start to become, but actually you learn um, people who have been through trauma Uh, if you repeat, like rappers, they love rap and a lot of them have been through trauma if you listen to their songs, but it's actually the repetitive beat that lulls their mind into a calmer state. Um, their brains crave that feeling of the repetition of that music. So if you were to listen to a song and repeat a word in your mind every time you breathe in, and the other part of that is breath, right? Oxygen is what God gave us that creates life. And then he allows us to set intentions with our words. So when I breathe and when I meditate, to keep it the most simple that I can, I just breathe in, think of stillness. And I imagine that swallowing up any darkness that's not allowing me to be still. And then I exhale, breathe that out like a dark cloud. I breathe in this stillness, which still to be still and know that he is God is to know that God is love. So you breathe that in. And then when you breathe out, let go of any of the darkness in you. Anything that you could be holding on to you that's preventing you from being still. Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it control as you breathe in stillness? Let it swallow up whatever that negative energy or emotion is and then you exhale it out. The reason this is so profound is because not only are you repeating these words in your mind um, and it's lulling your mind to a state of peace. So you'll repeat these words in your mind over and over again, and it's forming new thinking patterns. But also because this has energy behind it, it goes in and it swallows up that darkness and it pulls it out. Our spirits crave living in truth. And so the more truth that's in your mind, not only do those neuro thinking patterns connect in your brain, but then it impacts your entire nervous system. And the reason that meditation is so powerful is that it takes those thoughts and it takes it down into your body. And that's why ultimately yoga, I call it MOGA, mindset meditation and movement, is so profound in helping you better develop into the character of God. It strengthens your structure mentally, emotionally, sp- physically, and so that, so that you can better connect spiritually because it teaches you how to be still and how it, and it helps you wring out negative belief patterns that you've stored in your nervous system and throughout your entire body. So they say your muscles have memory when you've been an athlete. If you've done something once later in your life, it's easier to do it again because your muscles have learned that. Your muscles literally store memory and emotions. I don't know if any of you have ever been running and suddenly just had a little lump in your throat and you wanted to cry. 
because you're moving your muscles, it helps you to release and let go of um, any negative patterns that you could be holding on to. It's the same with yoga. When you're in stress, you'll start to slump your shoulders um, when you're sad because your brain wants you to um, process that sadness in a better way. And if you're sad, it's telling you to protect your heart, to protect your vital organs, because your brain can't tell the difference of an emotional threat and a physical threat. So it will always tell you to slump your shoulders so you can protect your heart. And it's part of where whatever process in your mind, that's, that's what it's telling your nervous system is to protect yourself. So that's why they call them heart openers are so significant and important. And you'll learn those later on in some of the flows that I'll be posting. But heart openers are important for learning how to better fill. And once you can learn how to fill and process pain in a different way, you can let go and then you can create healing and you can connect more to your body. A lot of people who have excessive amounts of sadness they struggle to feel, they start to go numb because it becomes too painful to feel. So this can help you to relieve that sadness so you can better feel. And then it's the repetition of the word in your mind. That repetitive beat is actually what calms you. Our, Our duty is to take chaos and bring it into order. When you set an intention, like say you were like thinking, I am love. So anything that follows I am, you know, our true identity is that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And next, anything that follows I am is what you should only say what you want to become, really. If you if you want to become like God, then say, I am love, I am peace, I am light. So repeat whatever word you want in your mind over and over again. And literally, that's going to become a part of what you look for. When you look in the mirror, you're going to look for reasons to love yourself. When you look at other people, despite their mistakes, because you know that they're probably in chaos as well, you're going to look for reasons to love them and to bless them. If you repeat over and over again in your mind, really anything, it's going to be how you perceive the world and every situation is going to be an opportunity to love, if that's your word. Or if you need courage, say you were a shy person and you repeated over and over again in your mind, courage, you're going to get excited instead of fearful about situations where you need to show up with courage. What once could have shut you down because you've chosen courage as your word, you're going to all of a sudden rise up and want to attack that thing. There's a, there's a lady that talks about a rocket shooting off into the sky and and she had a lot of anxiety about doing things. And so she started doing that countdown five, four, three, two, one, and she would just go. So she turned that fear into excitement and that took courage doing that countdown and not letting yourself think too much about it. Sometimes we're over anxious and under engaged. I love that verse that says men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause to bring about much righteousness. Sometimes we're over anxious in the mind, therefore under engaged. And again, that's what brings us back to meditation. That repetition of our mind directs our thoughts in a certain way. So there's not so much chaos. Have you ever been driving and you got from point A to point B and had no idea how you got there? It's probably because your mind's in chaos. And you're, you're going off of, you've been programmed to drive so you can still do it, but you don't realize how you got there because you're stuck in your head and you're making stuff up in there. And oftentimes we create stories in our mind about situations that happen. We just let these whole stories unfold in our mind of um, what's going on when none of it's really actually happened. If we learned how to be still and just exist, 
then we could have more profound levels of light and stillness. And again, it comes down to directing your thoughts. So first setting an intention, that's really what meditation is, is just repeating that word over and over again in your mind. And then um, to be more mindful means to just be present. Like I'm sitting in my backyard right now recording this and I'm just looking at the grass and I'm noticing that there's a lot of dandelions. I also notice it's a very sunny day and that the trees are starting to bloom because it's springtime for me right now. And I'm just being observant of my surroundings. When you say things out loud, it helps you to be present where you are. Another thing that can help you to be more present is when you're moving through something like yoga or moga because you're flexing your body you can't flex and live in your past when you're flexing you are forcing your body to physically become present you're forcing your mind to become present because you have to focus on flexing you literally are not able to flex without being fully present so that's why movement and this meditation is so powerful everything about it is to get you to live in the present moment because when you're living in the past um you're recreating it for your future When you're living in your past, you really can't have peace because you're dwelling in a story that's not in your current circumstance. So it's not reality right now. So all you can do is to learn how to be present, to be still, and to know that he is God. And if you have darkness from your past that you need to repent of, and that's why you keep going back to it, just repent. Just acknowledge that you did something wrong. Our greatest fear sometimes as human beings is to acknowledge that we've done things wrong. So just acknowledge that, hey, that wasn't in line with the truth of who I am at my core. I was tempted and I fell short. And I just say a prayer like, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for what I didn't understand that time and help me to be better and help me to rise up to a better self. But once you decide who you are at the core of your being, it's a lot easier to avoid mistakes because you don't do practices that aren't in alignment with who you are at your core and if you do you're very quick to analyze that and to fix it and to let those dark things go nobody ever commits sin without first having a thought and so anything we do starts with a thought so if you choose your thoughts through meditation through being present then it's easier to connect to god and to people So I hope you understand, um, and and I'll go into later what words signalize and what energy you emit according to those words and why these principles of the scriptures coming alive inside you are so essential and so important for blocking out darkness and binding the influence of the adversary from your life.